Nice to see you all. Thanks for coming along. Um, it's great to be able to welcome Dennis to his home church. Um, many of you have heard Dennis speak in the past. Usually when he's here speaking, he's actually in the capacity of actually bringing us a sermon. And, you know, in his own words, he's, he's felt that he's never really been able to, quite the right word, but exploit that and sort of update us on his ministry. <laughs> it's a bit of a harsh word to use, but, but that's effectively what, what's behind this. So we thought it would be great to have a, an opportunity to spend some time with Dennis and actually get him to, to bring us a, a good update as to what's happened and what's happening with the, the rooftop ministry. So uh, that's, that's what we're going to be doing this evening. Dennis is going to share with us, then we'll have a short time of prayer. So, so make sure you're listening carefully because there'll be a time to pray for the things that, that Dennis has spoken about. Dennis, welcome. So here I am exploiting it. <laughs> Not quite the word I've used, but I know what you mean. It's really good to be back here uh, at my, as you say, my home church. I was just sitting there thinking, uh, your home church, and uh, we've actually been coming here for, I think it's about 27 years now or something like that. That's how long we've been coming here. I think that's about how long it is. So it's quite long. It might even be longer than that. But I know the, the ministry I used to run called Visa V began in June 1993. Bernard's here somewhere. Where's Bernard? Is he around there? He is. He was on our board back then. So when I say, which I want to say, to start with this little word, thank you, I've got a lot to say thank you for to this church. Before I say any more, I want to say thank you to the church for supporting me for a very long time, a really long time, over many, many, many years. And also a lot of you, as I look out, I see faces of people that support me regularly. I know who you are. You know who you are. The other people don't know, so don't worry, I'm not going to give any games away. But many of you do and have done for a really long time. And I want to just say thanks, because the truth is, and it really is the truth, I'm not just saying this because it's good effect, it is the truth, if people didn't support what we did, then we just couldn't do it. It's just a fact. We just couldn't do it. Um, the way I often explain that jokingly is if I go to book an airline flight to go somewhere in the world and tell the airline company that I'm a Christian on mission, they don't give me the seat for free. They still charge for it, exactly the same as they would otherwise. And as we're doing lots of things around the world now and seeing God move in all kinds of ways, we just need help to do that. So thank you for the way that you do it and the church also supports in what we do as well. Um, I, as I was also sitting, I was thinking, there's a lot I want to say in a really short time, so I might flick through some of these slides and just uh, really try to get to the heart of it. But I also want to leave some time at the end for just any questions you have, because you might want to say, hang on, what about this, or what did you mean by that? Or, or you might even want to say, what on earth were you talking about for the last 20 minutes? So uh, just a bit of time for that. But uh, really what tonight's about is, is just an overview of what this thing called the rooftop is. Uh, I've just come back from seven weeks away. Uh, I was away just literally, I got back a couple of days ago. I was mainly in the United States and also in, uh, in Latin America as well. And when one of the churches I was in, in in the United States, I've heard this a few times, somebody thought the rooftop was actually a, an organisation that came and fixed the roof of their church. So they were quite surprised when they heard what it really was. So it's not that. But uh, let, me, let me just give, give a bit of a context. And what I'm going to do for the next three hours, no, just joking, 25 minutes or so, is just assume you don't know anything because I know some of you do know something about it, but I think if, um, if, I, if I begin thinking what do they know, I'll end up saying absolutely nothing at all. Now, I will introduce one or two other people as we go through the evening as well, just at different points, because some, of the ch- some people have been involved for a long time and some people are still involved in, in this ministry as well. I put those words up, a new reality. The songs we've been singing, aren't they great? This grace that we, you know, that, that God... I mean, it is, it is immeasurably amazing, isn't it, when we think about it, that God would die for us. You know, the thing is, you can become accustomed to that, can't you? You know, yeah, we know, we know that, and we're still grateful for it, but isn't it incredible when you think about what, what, what the gospel is, that God would be prepared to come to this world and be crucified, smashed to pieces, die on a cross, 
so that we can be forgiven. We don't deserve, someone said this in the prayer, we don't deserve it, we just don't deserve it. We don't get what we do deserve and we do get what we don't deserve. Because what we deserve is to, is to spend eternity without God. We don't get that. Instead of that, we get eternal life with God. Isn't it incredible? What a message. The challenge is, the reason I put the words new reality up there, just to start as I talk about the rooftop, is that, and it is a great tragedy, uh, right across the world, many, many parts of it, here's the truth is that most people now just don't know anything about that message at all. And they don't even know they don't know it. It's not like they've decided not to know it. They've not thought against it. They're not even thinking about it. It just isn't part of what they're even thinking at all. That's most people, isn't it? And you're not walking around thinking, I need to think about God and heaven and hell and eternal life or anything. They're just thinking about football and whatever they think about. Jobs and work and money and family and stuff. All those things. That's what they're thinking about, isn't it? And the new reality that we face, and the reason I say it's new is because there was a time in much of the world... Um, and this includes our country too, there was a time, um, probably before most of us were alive, but not that long ago, when most people in this country would call themselves church people. You know, they kind of lived in some vaguely Christian way. And if somebody did something wrong, they knew it was wrong, because there was a right way and a wrong way to live. That's how it used to be. Um, I remember when I was training for the ministry, there was this dear old lady I used to visit once a month called Mrs. Cooper. She lived in Canterbury. I spent a year in Canterbury before I went into the proper ministry, as she called it. And I used to visit her once a month to take her home communion because um, she couldn't get out. And we used to sit and have this little cup of tea. We had, we had the communion. We had a little, one of these little, my wife Lynn always calls them dolly cups uh, with the communion in it, and then a little bit of bread, and we had that. And then after we'd had that, she would say, she'd say, Dennis, put the kettle on and let's have a cup of tea. So we did that, and I used to make the tea because she couldn't get up, and we used to talk. And she used to tell me the same things just about every time. You know, sometimes when people reach a certain age, they can become a little bit repetitive. Um, and so she was like that. But every time she used to say the same thing, she'd say to me, Dennis... When you get into the ministry, get things back like they used to be. And I used to say, what's that, Mrs. Cooper? I knew what it was because she told me the month before and the month before and the month before. What's that, Mrs. Cooper? She said, when I was a little girl, she would say to me, she said, there was a thousand children in our Sunday school. And when we used to go to our Sunday school outing, she would say down to the seaside, which was Margate or Ramsgate from Canterbury, that's where I used to go. She said, there were so many coaches in the line that took the children to the seaside, you couldn't see the end of the line of coaches. When I was there at St George's Place Baptist Church in Canterbury, you probably could have got the Sunday school onto a minibus or maybe a couple of minibuses. That was the truth. And whenever she used to tell me that, I used to think two things about dear old Mrs Cooper. One I used to think was how nice that a lady like her actually even cared about, you know, thinking about that. But the other thing which I thought, well, she just doesn't get it. It's not going to be like that again. Those days are not going to just come back, you know. People aren't going to just suddenly all start coming back to church again. Because for most people, they couldn't come back to church because they've never been to church in the first place. And the reality is, you know this, this is the new reality that we live in. Most of the people that we live among in Billericay or wherever we live, we live in Southwood and Ferrers, um, wherever we live, the people we live among, most of them have got no connection with church at all. Or if they have, it's very little. Tragically, for many of them, the little bit they do know about church is just enough to make them not want to find out anymore. And that's just, that's just the reality, isn't it? I'm not trying to be depressing. I'm just, that's what we have to face, I think. And if, if, we, if we want to reach those people, then I guess something pretty significant has to happen. And that's really what the rooftop is about. The reason it's called the rooftop, it's based on the story in Acts chapter 10, 1 through Acts chapter 11, verse 18. It's where Peter went to the rooftop to pray. Acts 10, 9 says this, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up onto the roof to pray. 
That's why the ministry is called the rooftop. Peter goes to a rooftop. He has a vision. I haven't got long, so I'm going to do it really quickly. In that vision, God says to him, don't call dirty what I call clean. So he goes beyond the walls of everything he's ever known and starts telling the gospel to people outside. That's what he does, basically. He gets told off for doing it by the church because he's talking to people they don't want in the church. That's what's happening in the story. But he goes and does it anyway. And the result is the gospel spreads across the whole world. That's really what the story is all about. And that's what this ministry, the rooftop, is seeking to do. There are three steps to what we do. We help churches to go to rooftops. In fact, next week, uh, we're going to rooftops in London and other, 10 other cities around the world. I'll come back to that. But local churches do it very often as well, to go look across the city. Just think about Billericay for a moment. Look across it and ask the question, what does Jesus see when he looks at this? And how would it change our us as a church if we saw what Jesus sees? And we actually thought about people in the way that Jesus thinks about them. I don't know about you, and this is not really... I, I didn't want this just to be information tonight. I wanted it just for us to think as well a little bit. But so often what we can do as people, and I, and I go all over the world and see people do this all the time, is we kind of... We can think about God as being who we come to see when we're here. <coughs> and then the rest of our life, we just get on with life. And we go and do the things that we do. You know, the work, the leisure, the things that we do. And we become familiar with all these places and people that are just part of the you know, part of the fabric of our life. And yet we can actually very easily not even think about those as people that Jesus came to die for. They're just people. They're just there. They work in the shops. They work in the office where we go, whatever, whatever, whatever. And so the rooftop ministry is about encouraging churches to actually take a step back, a pause, as somebody once said to me just recently, look at where, what we're familiar with and ask a different question. What does Jesus say when he looks at this? What does Jesus say when he looks at Billericay? And what about if we saw it like he sees it? The engaged part is we equip Christians to actually begin to, to connect. Well, one of the reasons that the rooftop began, I, you know, some of you know I used to run vis-a-vis for 20-odd years, and then I began the rooftop a number of years ago. One of the real reasons for it beginning was a, a growing passion I had, and still have, that perhaps one of the greatest, and I, I won't be too melodramatic, just a little bit, um, perhaps one of the greatest tragedies in the world is that 98% of people that call themselves Christians never tell, tell people outside of the church about Jesus. That's just, that's, just a, that's just a reality around the world. 98% of Christians don't tell people outside of church about Jesus. There's no guilt. I'm not knocking anyone. I'm just saying that is, that's just the reality. Uh, that, that's the way it works. If, if people want to hear about Jesus, what they normally have to do is come inside a church building to do that. But Jesus didn't do it that way. He went to where the, where the people were. And in fact, if you re- read the Gospels, you know this. You've read the Gospels a million times. Jesus spent nearly all of his time out where the people were, talking to them about faith and introducing them to who God was. The expand part is all about making disciples who make disciples. Um, and Jesus did that too. Uh, he showed people how to follow him and then he sent them out to follow him. So that gives just a bit of a glimpse of what the thing's about. The, 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 the strap line, if you like, for the rooftop is joining Jesus in his mission. And the reason the his is underlined and emboldened is because that is, the, that is the key part of it. I, I dare to say this to you as my friends at Billericay Baptist Church. Billericay Baptist Church does not have a mission. Jesus has a mission and he invites us to join him in it. It's his mission. And he says, "Come." now we might want to then articulate that in some way and say what our values, what, we couldn't do that. But the point is Jesus has the mission. His mission. Our mission was to seek and to save what was lost. So it's joining him in his mission. I, I was just in Africa a little while ago and I asked a bunch of pastors in six countries across Africa in different places I went. The question I asked them was this, what's the difference between us joining Jesus in his mission 
or asking Jesus to join us in our mission. And all these pastors got into small groups. There are lots of them in all these different countries. They got into their small groups. And, uh, and then I said, I want some of you guys to come back and share what you've been talking about in your small groups. So in all these different countries, they did it, and then they came back. And, and what, in Africa, it's always the same. When they stand up to share, they first of all give you a 10-minute little sermon, which has got nothing to do with what you've asked them to do, but they just do that. That's how they, that's how they are. It's their, it's their culture, which is fun. And then they would share. And this is what they said. Almost in every country I was in, pretty much word for word, really, they said this. Joining Jesus in his mission means going to people that we don't really want to go to, people that we don't actually like the way they live and approve of the things that they do, people that we'd rather stay away from, really, if we're honest about it. Um, And then we have to go to those people and we have to invest time and effort and energy into those people. And then, if they become Christians, they might come along and disrupt what we do in church. Asking Jesus to join us in our mission means, Jesus, please send along to our church all the people we would like to have here Um, so we can be a bigger and better church. And they actually went on in Africa, and this is very real in the African context to say, and what that means is people who put money in the offering so we can have a better building, the pastor can have a nicer car and a bigger house to live in. That's Africa for you. Now, you might think, Dennis, hang on, what's that got to do with me? Here's the reality. That is the difference. And and I see it everywhere I go, that thing to think about. What really is the mission of Jesus. And the mission of Jesus was to spend time with people who most of us, and I include me in this, most of us naturally would not want to spend our time with. Because they weren't, they weren't the desirable people. They weren't the church people. Let me just move on quickly, because time's already beating me. But a key part of what the rooftop is about is equipping. I'm going to go really quickly here, because I want to just give you a bit of a feel of what's happening around the world at the moment. Um, I would dare say this word, equipping is possibly one of the most important words that the rooftop is all about. Again, I meet Christians all over the world who tell me they know they should share their faith, but they don't know how to do it. And they know they're supposed to. That's what they feel. I'm supposed to do this. But, but they don't know how to do it. And the reason they don't know how to do it is because they don't do it, and no one shows them how to do it. <laughs> they're just expected to do it. That's what it's like in many, many churches around the world. Christians are told, you should be sharing your faith. You should be telling other people about Jesus. And Christians sit there and think, I know I should, but what do I see? What do I do? How do I do this? Um, and so the equipping part of the rooftop is really key. And what we've done is we've set up a part of it called the Rooftop Academy, um, which is all about equipping Christians to share their faith. Um, I'll just go through quickly what's there. We have these core materials. Um, it's all on a website, and at the end you'll see the website address. What is the mission of Jesus, and why should we join him in his mission? This part of the, the whole rooftop process is really key because so many evangelism and discipleship courses that have been written, they start with the assumption that people want to do it um, or they're going to do it. But the reality is, for many, many Christian people, that they, they kind of, as a lady said to me a little while ago, she said, Dennis, I want to want to do it. And I think, I would say that's where many Christian people are at, actually. I want to want to do it. Meaning, I want to do it, but I don't really want to do it. Because I know, what, I know how important it is, but if I do it, I might get it all wrong and say all the wrong things, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or people might not like me as much, or whatever. There's a whole bunch of reasons. I want to want to do it. And I think that most Christian people need to be equipped in how to do it. But before that, there's to come that desire to even not just want to want to do it, but to want to do it. And I think the only way that happens is when God does something in our hearts. One of the things I say a lot as I travel is that I think if we're going to really see 
a movement across the world, and I'll come back to that in just a moment, then I think that there's as much transformation that needs to happen in the hearts of people in church as there is people outside of church. Something deep needs to happen. Do you, am, I, am I overstating this? I just think something deep needs to happen. Um, I'm still longing to preach in that church. I haven't been there yet. We're over coffee after the morning gathering on a Sunday. They're talking about how many people they're going to share Jesus with this week. I just can't wait to go to that church where they're so passionate about the gospel that their after Sunday morning gathering conversation isn't about football and the weather and what's going to be on television this week, but how they're going to be intentionally reaching out to people. There's nothing wrong with talking about football and the weather. I do it all the time. But you know what I'm saying? Something, I just think something needs to happen. And I'm, this is not... I'm not preaching at you. I'm just sharing what I'm seeing as I travel. And then equipping in how to do it is a key part of this Rooftop Academy as well. Just, I'll flick through these. They're just some materials that we've got. If you want to see them, you, all you have to do is go to our website. Anybody can go. It's therooftop.org. You'll see it at the end. And anybody can register. It doesn't have to be a church. You haven't got to be a pastor or anything. Anybody can register. You can download all the stuff. And how much does it cost? Nothing. It's free. Um, you can just have a look at it and see what you think. Therooftop.org. We've also created a new website called morethanstories.org to equip. You, some of you might remember, because this church used them in the past, we had lots of faith stories on DVDs. Do you remember those? Well, DVDs are kind of a bit, a bit you know, aren't they now? Yeah. Children say, what's, what's a DVD? What's that? <laughs> well, a D, I don't, a DVDs are those funny round things that used to spin a lot and make pictures come. Well, that, that's all gone now, isn't it, now? It's all these things now, isn't it, really? That's what everybody has now. Um, <coughs> If you fly a lot like I do, you'll see it. the minute a plane lands, everyone just gets these out and they just... If you go to a restaurant, everyone's, everywhere you go, people are on these things looking at them and their children are fighting each other, but the parents are all looking at their phones and stuff. Well, what we've now got on this morethanstories.org is all the stories, and there's just a few there, we've got lots more than that, are on a website. You can download them to your phones. Um, and if you're having a conversation with a friend and you just want to bring out Jesus, you can just show them a video that's on your phone. They can just have a look at it and you could say, have a look at this story. See what you think. So what we're doing, a lot of what The Rooftop is about, is trying to equip Christians to be able to engage in sharing their faith with people outside of the church. But it starts with the passion to want to do it in the first place. Okay, moving on quickly. What's happening? Um, I've just got a few things just to give you a feel of the scope, really, of what's happening with The Rooftop. Um, Am I naive? Somebody said I was naive a while ago. I was in South Africa, and a guy said I was naive because I told him that I longed for a global awakening. And he said, that's a bit naive. And I said, well, why is it naive? He said, well, for a global awakening, he said, the church would have to rise up and Christians have to be sharing their faith and churches would have to start working together and actually be about the mission of Jesus. Do you think that could ever happen? And I said, yeah. He said, I told you, you're naive. (laughs) So I put my tongue in my cheek and I said, well, you know, in John's gospel, there's this actual prayer that Jesus, who's the son of God, prays to God the Father. And he says, Lord, make them one as we are one so the world will believe that you sent me. So I said to him, I said, Pastor, because in Africa they always call you pastor or man of God or something. I said, Pastor, do you believe that God the Father can answer the prayer of God the Son? And he said, yeah, but you're still naive. (laughs) And perhaps I am. Perhaps I am still naive. But I long for a global awakening. Do you? I mean, really? Just to see across this world. Yeah, perhaps I travel too much. Maybe I do. But one of the things that that disappoints me more than anything is, is, is the lack of real expectancy that exists in so many churches all over the world that God could actually do something unexplainable and miraculous. It just seems somehow, so often in churches, we kind of, we, we compress God down to what we think he should be able to do rather than believe that he could do it. 
Um, and actually, he could do the things that we can't explain. Um, and I think if there was an, an awakening, then I, I believe it actually would be something that probably took us all by surprise. I can see a couple of old friends sitting in the back there. From when I used to be a minister in Chadwell Heath. And when I was a minister at Chadwell Heath, there were two Baptist churches in Chadwell Heath. I think there still are two. One was called Eastern Avenue, which was by far the best of the two. And the other was called High Road, um, which used to have a sign out the side that said, Trust in the Lord except the T out of trust was often missing. So it actually said, rust in the Lord. But that, that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm saying. I just remember that. But I, I used to meet with the pastor there. His name was Alan once in a while. We used to have coffee and stuff together every little while because we were both the Baptist pastors. We used to meet occasionally. I always remember him saying to me, years and years and years ago uh, now, he used to say, Dennis, he said, I can't wait for, for revival to come. And uh, I said, I said what, what do you think revival will look like, Alan? And he said, oh, he said, there'll be people lining up to get in my church. And I said, I don't think it will look like that. I think when revival comes, people will be lining up to get out of the church, not get in it. Not because they don't want to be here, but because we get so awakened to the reality of the urgency of the gospel and the passion God has for lost people that we'll just be quivering with anticipation about telling them this good news because it is so good, isn't it? So that's what I mean by a global awakening. Christian people being energised and on fire and passionate about the world hearing about this Jesus who did all the things we've sung about, paid the price, was the ransom for our sin, laid down his life, was smashed to pieces, cut apart, spat upon, cursed. That's the gospel, isn't it? So that we can live and have life. Um, so that's what I mean by a global awakening. At the moment, what we're doing is we're, the, 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 uh, the, the rooftop movement is spreading. At the top there are the countries that we're currently in. Um, that's where we are already. Uh, you know, so you can just see them. And when, when I say we're in them, what that means is we actually have a person in those countries who's our pioneer. I was going to put lots of pictures up, but I'm, I'm not going to have time to show you everything I've got. But we have a pioneer in each country um, who's overseeing the ministry in each of those countries. And the ones underneath that, um, they are the countries where we will be beginning very soon. Um, they're countries that we're already talking with who are very interested in, in the rooftop coming. And there are some others I haven't put up there because... They're not, for me, they're not close enough yet. They're still just a little chat rather than a real talk. So that just gives you a feel. Um, this is the vision that we have for this global awakening, and it builds up to 2020. Um, in 2018, in fact, in just a couple of weeks' time, we're doing um, a, a very small city-wide encounter in 10 cities around the world. One is London, next Sunday. This, this time next Sunday, it'll be all over. Um, and as well as, well as London, I, I won't remember them all, but one is Chicago, one is, uh, is Washington, D.C., where we think there are going to be some senators involved um, because D.C. happens to be the capital of, of the United States of America. Um, and also then in Africa, in Nairobi, um, and in a few other countries. In fact, let me just... Uh, I'll click on a bit and show you some of them. But in 2019, 50 cities, and then in 2020, 100 countries. Now, that is mad, isn't it? I mean... How could we ever do that? It's impossible to do it. But we're going to give it a go because I think God can do the impossible. Do you believe that? Well, good, I'm glad you do. Just give you a picture. This is, uh, this is, this is the publicity for the one in, um, in Nairobi in Kenya, which is happening next week. Um, I, I don't know why they've got me up there because I'm not even going to be there. But anyway, um, <laughs> they probably had a bit of spare corner and thought, well, we better put a picture of this, put Den in there. Um, one of the great things about that um, is that they've, they've just secured... There's, I don't even know who she is, but they know there's this massive... When I say massive, I don't mean she's massive. I mean she's massively well-known, is what I'm saying. 
uh, recording artist from East Africa who's going to be part of that whole thing, which they say is going to be hugely significant. And that's in Nairobi, um, and she's going to be part of it. Um, and then we're also... That, that, what that is, just wanted to put that... that that's, that's in Kenya. And what's happening in Kenya is that there are 48 different counties across Kenya, and our pioneer there, his name is Boniface, he's training 30... Well, he calls them ambassadors for each county, so that once they've done that big thing uh, next week, across the counties of Kenya, he'll be training people to go and then share the message of the rooftop across the whole of the country so that churches can begin to see this, this fresh vision. I find that reasonably exciting. Um, that's the Congo, if you can't read that. And that's just beginning um, in the Congo. Uh, what I love about Africa is they always create little things which is really nice with photographs, because then you can see where they are. So that's the Congo. Um, that's Zimbabwe. That's, that's a group that's planning the rooftop in Harare and Gweru, which are two cities in Zimbabwe. That's the, that is the brand-new building just finished called the Museum of the Bible, and that's in Washington, D.C. Um, it's just, just finished. It's six, six, if ever you go to Washington, D.C., it's worth having a look at the Museum of the Bible. It's amazing. It's a bit like Disney World for two reasons. Number one, it's brilliant. The other is every exhibit you walk out of, they're trying to sell you something, but that's just the way it is. Um, but, it, but that is the sixth floor of the, um, of the Museum of the Bible. And it's a great observatory. That, that in the background, you can probably just see it. That is the Capitol building. That's, that's like, you know, that's the... And you can see a whole landscape of the city from there. Well, um, actually on Wednesday they're doing it, because it, they're not doing it on Sunday next week, because in DC everyone leaves the city on Sundays. There's no one there at the weekend, so they're doing it on Wednesday there'll be a bunch of people just standing there looking out across D.C., which some might say is the capital of the free world. I mean, you think about it how you like, but people have jokingly said to me, what would you do if Donald Trump turned up? And I said, well, I won't be there, but if I were there, I'd welcome him. Why wouldn't we? I mean, if he wants to get a fresh vision of God's heart for people, I'm all up for that. That's just people. I just put a few people. This is people. As I travel, I, I speak in lots of places and I, what I do constantly is I ask people to respond to the message of joining Jesus in his mission, um, to have their hearts changed. As I said, I think that I long to see people come to faith in Christ, long for it, but I also long for people that have faith in Christ to become passionate about reaching the people that don't have faith in Christ. Because for me, if we're not passionate about it, we won't do it. Um, I guess, um, if, here's my, I'm very simple. If we want to do something, we'll find a way to do it. If we don't want to do something, we'll find a way not to. It's as simple as that, really. This is, a, this is Germany. That, that's, that's a guy called Joachim Nepp um, from Berlin. He's the head of the Baptist and Brethren Mission team. Um, the reason I put him up there, we're, we're, the rooftop's happening in Germany. And I, when I was with him, he, uh, what he was talking about, he said, Dennis, he said, for years and years and years, decades, he said, in Germany, we've been saying to people, Commonsy here, commonsy here, come to church. He said, but they, they don't come anymore. They're not coming. See, commonicht, they just don't come now. Um, he said, so we have to learn to say, wir gehen hin, wir gehen hin, we're going too. He said, but the problem is, Dennis, we don't know how to do it. We don't know, because every, he said, everything that we do is geared towards expecting people to come. Where, and he even said how we spend our money is spent on building places we want people to come along to. The staff that we pay are people that work in the church. He said we need to completely rethink about how to gay and hin rather than say common see here. I don't think that's just Germany. Um, I think it's something which is 
actually a situation all over the world. When I talked about that new reality, I guess what I was saying is, you see, many churches historically grew because people came, because that's what people did. They just used to do it, didn't they, once? They're not doing it anymore. But do they still need to hear the gospel? Yes. Does Jesus still love them enough to die for them? Yes. How will they hear? Somebody tells them. That's London. Um, We're doing a small rooftop encounter next Sunday um, in London. And as I get to London, I just wanted to pause for a second and say that the rooftop, as it happens around the world, we have a pioneer. We also have um, a board in each of the countries too that oversees the ministry. And we we have a rooftop UK board Um, And also we have a rooftop um, operations manager who helps with the whole thing all around the world. Uh, Actually, are from Billericay Baptist Church. So Alan, Alan, do you mind just standing up? Just so people... But Alan works with me, and without Alan, I would be insane. I'm already vaguely insane, but he he does absolutely enormous amounts to help a lot of this stuff happen all around the world. He doesn't get paid anything for it. In fact, I think it costs you quite a bit to do it, doesn't it, really? Um, So I really appreciate, Alan, what you do. Um, And also, um, Mike here, and James. Do you mind just standing up? Just just so people get... And Andy's not here, I don't think, is he? Uh, No. These two guys, they're both on the UK board of the rooftop. And so they oversee a lot of what's happening in in, in the rooftop that's happening in the UK. Thank you, guys. I just wanted you to see that, because when I started off by saying thank you, and I mentioned Bernard, who started off, you know, helping vis-a-vis 25 years ago, this church has had a long-standing way of helping me do what I do. Graham, you know, the mission, all that stuff. There's just so many people that help the stuff that we do. Of course, the person I should thank most for helping me do it is my wife, Lynn, who just uh, says, just come back sometime, would you? It'd be nice to see you again. But she doesn't really. She lives with, you know, a lot of you pray for her. She's amazing what she just puts up with, really. So thank you to all of you. Um, just wanted you to know, that's Brentwood, by the way. I've been, we've been around the world. That's Brentwood, not far from here at all. Um, we're doing it locally as well as around the world. That's a guy called Hosway. Um, he, the reason I put his picture up there is because he, he, this is the first step to something we're going to be doing in French and German as well as Spanish. He's, a, he's a Hispanic. He's, he's actually a Mexican who lives in Phoenix in Arizona. And that's us filming him, teaching all of our materials in Spanish, um, which, which is why we've got openings now across the Hispanic world as well as lots of other parts as well. And the reason we've got him teaching it is because we didn't want it to be me teaching it being dubbed or subtitled. We wanted it to be someone who, who thinks like an Hispanic teaching Hispanics to do it. So he doesn't tell my stories, he tells his own, and they're culturally relevant to the people that he's speaking with. That's um, a group of people, in, that's in Los Angeles, that's a bunch of Hispanics. There's huge amounts of Hispanic people, as you probably know, across that part of America the sort of southwestern part, they responding to the challenge to join Jesus in his mission. Um, I could show so many pictures like that. That's Panama, where I just was. That was the people, the pastors, about 40 or 50 pastors in Panama just the other day saying, we want the rooftop to come to Panama as part of this global 2020 vision thing that's happening. That's a place called Monterrey in Mexico. Again, the same thing. In 2019, we'll be going there. Just, there's, there's the world, just very quickly, to give you a feel. It's not very big, I'm sorry, but that's Latin America. You can't see it very well. I just wanted you to get a visual, because a lot of people say to me, I don't know where any of these places are that you go. Where is Latin America? Is that kind of above or is it below? I do get asked these questions, so you would never ask these because you're far too intelligent. But some people do say, where is that? So that's Latin America. We're going to be in about six or seven countries from around there by the end of this year, probably. Um, that's the United States, um, which is... 
we're going to be in a number of those states, probably 12 of those states by the end of this year. Um, starting right up in the top left-hand corner in Seattle, which is Washington State, in California, in Arizona, in Texas, in Florida, in North Carolina, and up in New York and over that side as well, and in Chicago. That's where we're going to be. You're all interested now because you've got pictures to look at. <coughs> That's Africa. We could easily be in 12 countries across Africa by the end of this year as well. And the, the very north of Africa is quite difficult because the north of Africa is primarily Muslim. Um, one of the key things that's happening across Africa is that the Muslim presence is pushing south all the time. Um, and so when you get to a number of these countries, like Nigeria, for example, which you probably can't see, but it's over that side, countries like that, what you're seeing is in the northern half of them, there's huge conflict now beginning to take place because as the Muslims are moving down, many of these what were once traditionally Christian countries are beginning to... Now, there's a lot of huge amount of tension taking place in many of those countries. And that's Europe. Um, and, and, and we're, we're certainly going to be in the UK, in Germany. We've also got some significant openings in Italy and in Sweden as well. Um, so as you begin to look and get a shape of what's happening, we talk about this global awakening and 100 countries in 2020. We're on our way. We're making some progress. Um, and the great thing is, what is really good about it, is that it's not just me doing it. We've got all these pioneers around the world, and they open up other countries too. I don't do it all. They do. They speak with other people as well. Um, one minute on this, because I've already gone over my time that I wanted to take, and I, I do want just to have a minute or two for you to ask a question or two. So let me just mention this briefly. One thing that's, that's flowing out of a lot of this is that I'm saying to our pioneers, think about ways that people beyond the walls of your churches can be reached in the countries where you are. And these, some of our pioneers around the world are so, so exciting and passionate people, and they're really clued up. And some, one of our guys in Africa called Richard, um, he's, just, he's, he's in his 30s, he's, but he's so, if, if he was preaching, he'd be, I mean, he'd just, you'd be up on your, I'm telling you, he's just amazing, this guy. But they, in, in Uganda, we're starting this thing called Friends of Jesus. Those ladies they have one thing in common. They're all ladies that earn their income by sleeping with men, because that's the only choice they have in life. Um, they have children, many of them. That's just a small number of them. One of the things that we're just starting in Uganda, and it's going to spread, we think, across Africa. In fact, something you could pray about is we've, we, we could have potentially some funding to help this spread across Africa. Um, this, we call it Friends of Jesus. Um, these ladies who come to faith in Christ who now want to change their lifestyles. Um, and so one of the things that we're looking is finding ways now of, of providing places for them to live, um, where they can be trained in skills to earn income. But also, and we think this is something we want to make sure is a distinctive of the rooftop all across the world, and it won't just be Africa, is that these ladies will not just be given a safe place to live and education, because the rooftop is not primarily a relief agency. It's a disciple-making movement. So we'll be equipping these ladies to actually share their faith and make disciples of other ladies who have come from the same kind of world that they've come to. from, And that's already happening uh, We've already seen these ladies who have come to faith sharing their faith with other ladies and they're coming to faith as well. I could spend a lot longer on that, but we haven't got time. To some prayer requests, before I do, do the prayer requests, I'll just say, just for a couple of minutes, anyone got any questions or comments or anything that you're thinking as I'm talking? Anybody got anything on your mind? Or I'll answer it if I can. So, anybody? A question, a comment, a thought? Blah, 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 blah. 
I'll give you a minute because it can take a little bit of time. And I, if you have, you can ask me afterwards if you want, and we can talk afterwards. But if there's anything you're thinking I'd like to know, just feel free to ask if you want to. Okay. There's just a few prayer things I wanted to put up there. Um, I could, this could be pages, but I just thought of some things that really came to my mind as I was thinking through. Um, in, as I said, the next week, uh, we, we have 10 of these city-wide encounters in cities across the world, London, Chicago, um, DC, and then Nairobi, Mombasa, and uh, Kampala, and in the Congo, in, oh my goodness, so Goma, um, and then in Port Elizabeth, and in Cape Town as well, and there's one other one. But if you could just pray that God... They're, they're small. This, we're starting small, and we're going to build up. That's, that's, and I've, I've had to encourage, especially our African pioneers, who wanted, they wanted 20,000 people to come to these things. And I said, look, let's just, can we just start small and make all our mistakes when there aren't many people there? Um, the one real thing that it would be great to have is, is, a, is a pioneer for the UK. We did have a guy, and, and, and he left a while ago. It means I'm kind of covering both the UK and the rest of the world now, and that is an incredibly challenging thing to do. In fact, I think it's an impossibly challenging thing to do. Um, I hoped I'd be able to do it, but I think I'm learning that it's just too much. So if you could pray for that specifically, I'd appreciate it. I really would appreciate it. I mean, she doesn't like me doing this, and I'll probably be told off all the way home for this as we drive back. But I'll be driving so I can just put the music on and not listen. But really, could you pray for Lynn? Because it is massive how she just, you know, lives with what I do. Well, can I say what we do, if you know what I mean? But I really would appreciate you praying for her because... Well, I would. And then finally, funding. Um, you know, every, every church I go to, a ministry like that always needs funds. There's not a ministry in the world that doesn't need funds. And, and um, we, we do, and as we're growing and growing, we need more and more because we're reaching more and more people. What I always say to a church, so if you don't mind, I say it to my home church as well, is if any of you feel you can help, then there's, I've got some stuff with me. I bought a couple of things with me. I bought these little leaflety things which you've got this picture of me on the front and a way you can connect with us on the back. I've got some of those. I've also got a book, um, which some of you might have seen before, called The Rooftop, which somebody, some people tell me is actually worth reading. Um, but I think it is actually. It gives a really good insight into what this whole thing is all about. I've got those out, out the side there. But I always say this to any church I go to. If you feel you can help, please bear in mind two things. Number one, the church already does help with what we do. Uh, every month the church makes a contribution towards The Rooftop. And also, I always say this to any individual as well, if you can help what we do, never do that instead of giving to the local church where you're from because I think that's, that's the first place a, pe- a person should ever give. So but if, you, if you're doing that and you still wanted to think about how you could help with what we're doing, then I'd love to chat with you <coughs> afterwards. Does that give you a glimpse? I've, there's so much I haven't said and yet there's so much I have said. Is anybody feeling utterly confused? Is anybody feeling vaguely interested? You're welcome to come. It's at the Methodist Central Hall. Yeah, um, yeah, that's where it is next Sunday. Methodist Central Hall, which is, as you might know, is the place that looks out right across, just across his Big Ben and the Houses of Parliament, and that ridiculously ugly building that they built called the Queen Elizabeth Centre. Why they ever got permission to build that, I will never know, but it is there in the centre of London. Anyone else? Anything else? Well, thank you. Oh, yes, sorry. Yeah. Well, it, it, it was, is the answer to that. Um, here's, here's why. Um, I'll give you the brief answer to why India isn't on the radar right now. Because it seems like the way that God is taking us 
for this period of where we are now is primarily to countries where, if you like, Christendom once used to be in a really strong way. So churches that once were majority Christian, if you like, but have become less and less and less and less and less so. Countries like India and China and lots of Asian countries, they're, they're, quite, they're different in a way. And what's happening in many of those countries, the gospel is exploding all over them. Um, and in many ways, they can teach us more than we can teach them, I think, because I hope this doesn't come across in the wrong way. They're not grappling with historic church. They're just getting on with the job of mission in many of those countries. So the answer is it probably will. I have got opportunities to go to India, um, but right now, with everything else that's pressing, that where, where, where my sense is that God is really moving, and you know, we, we, with the rooftop, we talk about joining Jesus in his mission, and that's what we're seeking to do with all we do too. So we're not trying to say to God, we think we should go here, can you come with us? What we're really doing is saying, God, where do you want us to be? Where are the doors you're opening? And right now, clearly the African door and the European door, and then the Americas is, is opening wide. Um, I have a feeling that India will, but I just don't think it's for right now. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Why? What you've been saying about, you know, and we all agree with it, we should be more excited. Yeah. So why aren't, why do you think people yeah. are not more excited about yeah. the message? Well, I mean, the, the, we can talk afterwards, but, but I, th- I think, I think, well, I think partly for it, I think, and, uh, I mean, this is such a big question to answer, but I think different things. I think sometimes, um, it's because for some people, I think it's because perhaps they've always been very familiar with with it um, and can't imagine quite what it's like not to have it, and so not knowing that can make it more difficult sometimes for people. But I think also for 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 lots of people, I think what can happen is that you you, know, you you fall in love with Jesus if you like, and it's real and it's dynamic and whatever. But sometimes, and don't hear this the wrong way. But sometimes just being in church for a long period of time, you can almost become accustomed to it. You know, you can just get into the rhythm of being grateful um, and, and be grateful genuinely, but forget actually that there's... That, again, when I was just, just, just away in, in America, um, somebody said something it's really powerful to me um, in response to what I was saying. And he said to me, you know, what he said, I thought what he said was far more powerful than what I said. He said, I think the problem, Dennis, I won't, I won't do his accent. He said, I think the problem, Dennis, he said, he said, the church has forgotten that actually we exist to be on a rescue mission. You know, we've forgotten that. We, and he's talking about the church in America. You know, they, they get so sidetracked into running all their programs and wanting more people to come and blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. And uh, they've forgotten. This is, was his words. We're on a rescue mission. You know, there's, there's a life and death thing going on here for people in eternity. And I think we can so easily forget that, I guess. And, and for us, with the roof, that's why this rooftop encounter thing is such a key part of the process we put together. It's, it's, it gives Christians an opportunity to stop and look again and think, hang on a minute, what, what is this really all about? What, what are we about? What are we actually doing all of this for? And I think I've seen it in so many places that begins to trigger something off in people to begin to see things from a different perspective and to get, regain that passion. And I guess the other thing, then I'm done answering your, your question, I think... The way, really, that people gain a passion for people beyond the walls of the church here in the gospel is by intentionally getting to know people beyond the walls of the church and praying for them and asking God to give them a passion for, for just that person to start with. It's very difficult to feel a passion for a category of people that just, you know... <laughs> but when it becomes 
people, a person, someone. But the challenge for a lot of people, and I'm not talking about us, I'm just like, you know, the challenge for a lot is that our lives get so compartmentalised and church is just one of those compartments within it that we forget easily what the whole thing is all about. And that's why for us, that's why in the rooftop, joining Jesus in his mission, that his is the underlying key because we can so easily forget that. He's passionate about those people. And I think we can ask him to give us that passion, but the, the way he'll answer that prayer is, I think, well, okay, then go and start getting to know some of these people that I'm passionate about, and then you'll see my passion for them and I'll put it in you. Does that help? So there's got to be a step of faith somewhere and a step of obedience. You know, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What a crazy thing to do. And these people just left everything and went and followed him. It's mad. But in the doing of that, that step of faith and obedience... He could do something in them that could never have happened if they'd have stayed in their own safety zone. For the, uh, the rooftop then, are you primarily inviting church leaders at this juncture? Yep. Or is it... It's a great question. Yes, we are. At this juncture, we are. The, the build is to start with church leaders <coughs> in a small way in 2018, in a larger way in 2019. And then those churches that get involved, the leaders that get involved, to begin to work the process through with their churches that they lead so that by the time 2020 comes, we've got a lot of churches that have actually worked the process through who can then begin to share what they've learned with other churches. That's the... And what I didn't say, I probably should have said this, is we think the rooftop ministry begins in 2020. That's how I see it. All of this is just... This is just the preparation for it. This is the John the Baptist phase, if you like. Do you know what I mean? This is the getting ready. I think the real movement begins in 2020. All right, I'm going to stop there because I think of time. And I was supposed to finish at 8 o'clock and I didn't. I'm sorry, Graham. But I really appreciate everybody coming. It's great to see so many people here. And uh, just come and chat with me afterwards. I'll be out there by the table. So uh, come talk, Graham. Thanks ever so much. Thank you. Um, well, I, don't, I don't want to stop it. So if there are any more questions... Please do speak up because it's a great opportunity to, to ask Dennis what's on your heart. So if you've got anything you want to share or ask, do so, either now or afterwards when Dennis won't be rushing off immediately. So, so let's do that. But um, it will be good to have a, a time of prayer. In fact, before I do that, Mike, do we still need volunteers for next week? So one way that you could get involved, if you, if you feel passionate about it, is that at the event next week at the Central Hall in, in Westminster is that we're looking for a few volunteers. We've already got some. We're thankful for, thankful for those that have already volunteered. We could do some more volunteers. Fairly simple jobs, really. Welcoming people as they arrive, helping to man a bookstall, um, being stewards to show people around the building so they know where they've got to go to have the, the, the rooftop encounter. So we just need a few more volunteers. It's, um, you, know, you, you don't need any special qualifications to do it. Uh, transport is provided. We'll be leaving from here in the minibus, or in, in a Ford minibus, actually, which Mike has secured, um, after the morning service. The event's in the afternoon, and we'll be back probably early evening. So if there is anybody that could offer their time... That's a way in which you can be supporting the rooftop ministry next week. So please let Mike Burgess know because he's coordinating the, the volunteers. But uh, so let, let's spend some time in prayer. In fact, can we have your? Is this your clicker? 
So you can put it back on the... So let's have a, a time of prayer. I'll, I'll wrap it up in, in five minutes or so. Um, should we then have one song to close? Is that okay? Yeah. Right. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for uh, what we've learned tonight. We just pray that you'll help us to really grasp this same vision. And Lord, we, we look forward to this global awakening that Dennis has described. With the preparation work going on now leading up to 100 countries participating in this process in, in 2020. Lord, we just pray that um, you'll be with Dan and with Lynn as they work in this ministry. Pray that you'll continue to sustain them in their different roles. Sustain Dennis in all of his travelling and his speaking and his meeting with people. Give him the, the energy and strength and resilience to carry on doing that. And for Lynn, Lord, we just pray that you'll be with her and just, just be close to her when, when Dennis is away. Lord, we just uh, commit this time of prayer to you now as we just bring to you the things that have been prompted in our own hearts based on what Dennis has shared. Amen.